Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 15th chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may may love one another. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Today we are taking a break from our regularly programmed readings. I thought it would be fun instead to focus today on St. Valentine and the readings traditionally associated with him. While the Lutheran Church does not venerate saints in the same way that our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters do, we still maintain that the saints have much to teach us. St. Valentine has much to teach us about love, which is why he is the patron saint of love. It turns out St. Valentine is also the patron saint of beekeepers. But I shall leave that to Pastor Roger to address on another day. One of the readings ascribed to this second century saint is from 1 Corinthians, which we just heard a moment ago, a passage which many are bored to death with, I think, from hearing it at every single wedding, also which, truthfully, I'm uncomfortable with sometimes because this passage is often used to set up a paradigm for love that no marriage can attain. However, if we take this passage out of the specific context of marriage and place it within the broader context of human community, it becomes very interesting, even inspiring. In describing love in the context of human community, Paul paints a beautiful picture of love. And this got me to wondering, is this a complete description of love? Is it comprehensive Or can we add to it? So I tossed the question out on Facebook last week. What is love? And I must say, the results were positively stunning. I want to share my responses that I got with you so that we can pull this image of love that Paul began in the first century into our 21st century. In other words, I'm not going to explain love. I'm going to describe love, but more accurately, I'm going to share how many of you have described love. What follows then is a compilation of your description of love from Greek Orthodox, Muslims, Jews, Christians, atheists, as well as many friends who are not affiliated with church at all. For my fellow right brain friends who are here this morning, think of this as a mosaic or George Seurat's style of pointillism, if you're familiar with A Sunday on La Grande Jatte. 
or a wild and beautiful Jackson Pollock's splatter painting. Think of that. For my left brain friends who are here today, rest assured, an analysis will follow. Love is cleaning up vomit at 1 o'clock in the morning, no matter what goes on outside the four walls of your home. Love is flowers stuffed down the barrel of a gun on November 9, 1989, in Berlin, the day the wall came down. Love is MLK's I Have a Dream speech. Love is pacing the floor all night with a screaming and teething baby. Love is admitting someone to institutional care. Love is holding the hand of a loved one as they die. Love is evidence of the kingdom of God. Love has one word in English and three words in ancient Greek. Love is my wife. Love is seeing the face of God in another person. Love is forgiving yourself. Love is pumping breast milk every two hours while your preemie is in the NICU. Love is an enduring, irrational enthusiasm for another person. That from my wordsmith friend, Wendy, in London. Love is time in tangible form, says Chef Corey Barrett from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Love is what justice looks like in public. Love is telling your woman she's beautiful even when she looks like she's been hit by a dump truck. (laughs) It's a favorite of mine. (laughs) Love is the cross. Love is the love medley from Moulin Rouge. Love is the woman hugging the guy at the women's march who was holding a sign that said, you deserve rape. Love is when you scream, hate me, to God, but God says, I love you, in return. Love is my favorite Persian chef quoting Foreigner's song, I Want to Know What Love Is, because he didn't think that I would name him in this sermon, but I will, Chef Saper. Love is a logical three-point PowerPoint lecture, according to my very left-brain clergy colleague, who may or may not be in the Missouri Synod. Yes, I said that. (laughs) Love is going to the opera with your wife, even though you hate the opera more than anything else in the entire world. Love is holding your crying son when his first girlfriend dumps him. Love is how kind people were to strangers after 9-11. Love is one million people marching in D.C. with no arrests. Love is the father running to greet the prodigal son. That is from my esteemed colleague at St. Raphael Orthodox Church. Love is telling your children to eat their veggies. Love is Pope Francis. Love is holding a special needs child while they slap you. Love is what life is all about. So what does this stunning mosaic reveal to us? What does this painting of love illustrate for us? 
It illustrates for us that we need love as much as we need food or air or water. That love can be expressed in an infinite number of ways. That love is the life force that gives existence meaning. That love, even when we try to capture it with words, is as elusive as a baby's breath or the morning mist. That love isn't merely one of these responses, but all of them combined. Love is felt, experienced, embraced. My right brain friends in this room can close our eyes and envision Gustav Klimt's The Kiss. Right brain types in this room can close our eyes and hear anything from Rachmaninoff to feel the heart pound and the spirit soar. But love is not only for those of us who are in our right mind. I mean, right-brained. Does the right brain not also need the left? I am neither a brain surgeon nor a human biologist, but I do understand and, in fact, appreciate the symmetry of the human body, and perhaps we can then apply that to the metaphoric body. Does the right brain need the left brain where analysis and logic take place? Absolutely. It does not make me weak to say to you today that I need my husband, Doug. I need him for many things. I need him to repeatedly explain football to me. I need him to navigate me, literally, when I make the wrong turn 100% of the time. I need Doug to do things like pay bills and taxes and all things requiring math. But more than that, I need him to talk me down from the ledge when my dramatic brain goes into hyperdrive. His is the steady, pulsating love that calms the solar flares in my brain. If I am anxious, he calms me by matching my breath to his. In our relationship, in this oversimplified illustration... My right brain needs his left, and in that is wholeness. Can it not be similar in the broader human community? If we look at the symmetry of the brain and the mutual dependency for healthy functioning, or if we look to the human heart, even as we mark Valentine's Day, we see the need for both the left and the right ventricles to keep blood pumping through the body in order to sustain life. This lesson from the body then applies to human community. The right needs the left, and the left needs the right. Paul even addresses this in his metaphor of the church of the body of Christ. Not everyone can be the mouth, not everyone can be the hands, not everyone can be the feet or the eyes. We all have different functions in the body of Christ, in this community of church, and in this way, all the work gets done with the preaching and the feeding and the envisioning and the marching and so on. Not a single person can do everything. The body needs each member, even those body parts that are less than glamorous, which my sons love identifying each other as. The right hand needs the left. The right foot needs the left. The right kidney needs the left. The right ovary needs the left. And when one is missing, there is a loss. A body at war with itself cannot function. Our country is learning this painful lesson. 
Martin Luther describes this in Human Community with his theory of two kingdoms, writing that, yes, indeed, God rules all of existence, but that God accomplishes this through the left kingdom, which is the earthly existence, including rulers and government and our bodies and the church, anything that is tangible, and the right kingdom, which is the heavenly existence, including the definitive and inclusive grace of God as revealed to the world through Jesus Christ. Luther insists that we need this right kingdom, the love of God, to give the left kingdom our daily lives meaning. So then love gives life meaning. Even in times of great turmoil, which Luther himself certainly experienced 500 years ago, which we certainly experience today, love moves us from mere existence into abundant life. The thing then is this. To be who God created you to be, be it left or right brained, left or right wing affiliated, artist or lawyer, poet or scientist, because the world needs us all. I was born left handed. And when I was in school, in the long, long ago, they tried to change me to being right-handed, but that only resulted in confusion in my brain. I still write with my left hand, but I use scissors with my right. I can paint with both. And if I ever were inclined to throw a ball, I would do it with my right hand. There's a song lyric that's a favorite of mine that says, Decide what to be and go be it. Indeed, what God has created you to be is what you need to be. Go be it. Speaking truth to power, doing so in love. Perform your function to the good of the body. Much of the life of St. Valentine is shrouded in mystery. What we do know is that he existed. He was a priest who was eventually imprisoned and tortured for his faith. When asked to recount his faith or face execution, he chose execution. Before dying, Valentine was forced to prove his faith and allegedly did this by restoring sight to the blind daughter of his jailer, the very man who was about to kill him. Legend or not, It is this selfless love that St. Paul has in mind. It is this selfless love that many of you shared with me on Facebook. This selfless love that Jesus models for the entire world by showing love for all people, even in the face of hatred. It is what we are all called to do, whether we are from the right or from the left, because it is what Jesus does on the cross when he turns to the criminal on his right and the criminal on his left, demanding neither confession nor conversion, and dies for them both. 